Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Melius, and I'm so glad that you're here. And I can't wait to reintroduce to you Valerie James Abbott. Valerie James Abbott is the co-founder of the National Pediatric Late Onset Hearing Loss Awareness Campaign and a nationally recognized parent leader for early childhood hearing loss detection and intervention. She serves as director of Listen Up at Patapillo PBLLC, an organization dedicated to improving community awareness about postnatal hearing loss. Her award-winning children's book, Patapillo, is based on the true story of how her family discovered and came to terms with their child's mysterious permanent hearing loss. Let's dive into the pond and meet Valerie. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to welcome back Valerie James Abbott. Valerie, thank you so much for being back on this show. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here again. I am so glad you're here. And I would love for you to start with what has happened since we chatted last. Because, and just to help our listeners, when we chatted last, we talked about like shifting point of view. And we really went into illustrations for the children's book that you wrote. And I thought that conversation was just so cool, but you shared with me some neat things. And I think you have to tell everybody. So what have you been up to since we talked last? There is so much that has happened. It's actually unbelievable. And if someone had said, I think the following will happen to Patapillo after it's published uh, the first time, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have believed them but it has, a lot has, has happened. Um, so the original version, and we now re- refer to it as the English version of Patapillo was published in May of 2021, still pretty much in the thick of COVID. And about eight or nine months later, through a series of unbelievable, unbelievable coincidental universe-driven connections, I was connected to a service organization that was fascinated with the story and fascinated with the mission of improving awareness that hearing loss can happen at any age and any stage of child development. And um, they offered to fund the republication of Patapillo in Spanish. And it, uh, it's really actually pretty, uh, there are no words to describe that type of um, karma or that type of experience. It just, we put something out there in the world. Our family put our story out there in the world and the world came back and said, we need more people to to be able to read this. And um, so that is that in a nutshell, that is what happened over the last year. First off, I love that because to me, when you have written something, when you have created something from a place of love and service, and wanting to be of service and help others, that does come back to you. You may not always know how, like in this case. That's right. But still, like, I mean, all of those little divine connections created little breadcrumbs to lead you to this new place. So you get this idea, you get this invitation to turn your book into another edition, a Spanish edition. So a second edition and in Spanish. How do you go about that? Loaded question, you're welcome. 
My <laughs> Right. So how do you go about that when you've never, first of all, you've never published a book in the first place and then you go ahead and publish it and it's well received. And now, you know, the invitation is, you know, we need to publish this in Spanish. You've not done that. So I'm so grateful that my publisher, Kim with Kiwi Publishing, uh, she was just as much a part of this process as she was with the initial. And I remember going back to, we call ourselves Team Patapillow. <laughs> so we went back to the illustrator, to the graphic designer, and um, Kim, Ely, and I sat down and we said, all right, this is, all right, crew, like, what do we need to do with this? What does this mean? because I determined in interviewing some Spanish speaking families, bilingual families from different countries, one of the concerns I had were the illustrations. Did those need to be changed to be culturally sensitive? And their answer was absolutely not. They This could be any Spanish speaking family. And so uh, that helped. And then the title, Patapillo, what do we do with that? It's not a real word, right? So what do we do with that? And they said, well, you know, these are the Spanish speaking families. They said, if you want it to be the word Patapillo, you'd need to remove an L <laughs> or okay. you can keep it the same, the title Patapillo, and it would just be pronounced Patapillo. And so you wouldn't have to change the title. So those were some of the big kind of rocks or obstacles we had to figure out. Okay. So we don't need to redo the illustrations and we don't need to change the title. So now we're talking about a, a translation and of course, graphic design, because Spanish words and sentences can be much longer than English words and sentences. So um, we made a, a new contract with the illustrator to use the rights to her artwork. And that was very straightforward. And then with the graphic design, we had Crystal, who was uh, with Leona Design, and she was on hold. Like she knew, okay, this is coming. And we don't know exactly what this is gonna look like, but this is coming. So we kind of had her at her reserve. And then we did uh, some research to find the right type of translator. And so one of the things that, uh, and I'm very fortunate that we found, again, keeping it in Virginia, we found a, a Virginia company, um, Album album translation services and they're in Northern Virginia. And they specialize in the translation of educational materials. And that's really what this was gonna take. This, you know, you could go to a law firm or, you know, find a, someone who can translate, but in terms of educational materials, this company specialized in that. And when we were talking with them, one of the most important things that I said was, I need this whole thing to feel as if it was always written in Spanish, which means that it's not necessarily going to be a direct translation. Um, if there's a different way, a better way to phrase something in Spanish, I would like you to make that change. And the other thing that I commented on was that Spanish speaking families that live in the United States come from all over the place. They come from all different Spanish speaking countries. And I would imagine that the way that they, that their version of Spanish may be different than from another country. And I wanted it to be as universally Spanish as possible. I don't speak Spanish. I did not learn Spanish. I was, I learned Italian in high school and college. Um, so I could not be helpful in that process. And Album understood what we were trying to accomplish. And so they translated it. They mentioned where they had made changes so that I could for myself as the author could see and approve kind of what had been changed. 
And then we sent it to three different Spanish speaking, truly bilingual families um, from different Spanish speaking countries and said, what would you agree with, disagree with? And it became kind of a, not a panel, but kind of a, a conversation about, well, you know, in, we would say it more like this. We would say it more like that. One of the phrases in the book is um, the goo felt squishy. Well, how do you translate that into Spanish? That's not squishy is not, is it a word, you know? So things like that. And so once we had the translation done, we handed it over to Crystal, the graphic designer, and she made it all work. There were some things in the book, like the poster that's in the background of the book that has the anatomy of the ear. The graphic designer was able to change that to be a, a poster in Spanish. So there were a lot of very small details. What do we change and what do we not change in terms of the, the illustrations? And it came together really quickly. It came together really quickly. We started the process in February, late February of 2022, and we delivered in June of that same year. Wow. I know that's a very long story. I didn't break that up very well. No, you did great. I mean, I think that is absolutely beautiful. Truly. I just think that this is so cool what you have accomplished and how you went about it. So one of the things that was speaking to me was essentially like a focus group. Beta readers is another way to think of it, but right. But I'm actually feeling like there's a, yes, there were beta reading for you, but in the same breath, there was an element of a focus group feeling to it because of the other guidance you were getting. I kind of feel like it was a, a nice blending of both of those really. Um, so what did you do or what did your team do when perhaps maybe you had differing perspectives on something like one dialect might say it one way, one might say it another way, or even use a different word or phrase altogether. How did your team make the decision to say, this is the direction we need to, we're going to go? Yes. And so I intentionally did not have everybody in the same room on the same Zoom call. Um, uh, for better or for worse, I wanted to hear from each of those readers, those separate readers, their unedited, un, you know, um, their honest thoughts on what was working, what wasn't working. Yeah. And so that they weren't influenced by the others. And so I, I sent it to them separately. I had them put their notes on separately, send it back to me. I called them and said, help me understand this. And then some of it, and then I sent all that feedback back to Al, um, Album and said, this is the feedback I'm getting. What do we do with this? And again, they are professionals in educational translation of materials from English to Spanish um, and other languages. And so some of them were like, oh yes, definitely we'll change this. Oh yes, I recommend this. And then, so they were really the ones that helped me to determine, do I take A or B? It, we need to take A or B what makes the most sense. And um, at the end of the day, I feel like all of the people that were involved in the review of that draft have pieces in there that are different because of them. I love that. I think that's beautiful. So when you, you went about and made the changes, right? So you, your illustrations changed somewhat. 
your and when so little details yeah but it was enough to make it feel relatable but not necessarily changing the overall meaning it's not changing the meaning but we're changing little details to make it feel relatable right right okay and so I love that you did that and I love that you had you know you were working with an expert who does this and I and specifically educational train teaching and training I think that's really cool because you brought in the right experts it's just another way of looking at finding that right illustrator and finding that right graphic designer or late or person who helps you with your layout or your editor you're looking for people who have a skill set to help you hone your message and strengthen it in a greater way to reach who you're trying to reach so I I love that you did that that is so really cool it was cool. It was a cool experience. The response has been, has been really cool, but, um, you know, to, to see this, to see really the, the, I didn't really get the emotional piece of it and the impact of this until I was at an event where, um, the story was being, uh, both, uh, spoken in Spanish, read by a Spanish teen, with a Spanish sign language person, trans, uh, yes, and seeing those two things happening simultaneously and the response of the Spanish speaking families that were listening to this story, that's when it got me. That's when I went, there's no words to describe seeing something that important, something that you've given birth to, but you never imagined it going out into the world in this way and the impact that it made. And that was last summer that I saw that. Wow. I'm just like, that's amazing. I think that would be just truly what a humbling and honor kind of experience to, to, to be a part of, to see that happen. That is awesome. So when you were approached by this organization to say, Hey, we want to do this, you know, what were some of the other things that you were thinking about to say, you know, what does this really entail? Like on the surface, it makes sense to say, okay, well, I need to get somebody who can translate. I need to make sure the graphics are aligning, but were there other pieces that you were having to learn or be more mindful of just to help make sure that this, this new path that was opening up that you felt like you were you were doing the right thing by it, you know, because it yeah. was definitely something very different to, to embark upon. It was different. It was unexpected and it was an incredible gift, right? So the, you know, when this organization, I will mention it was the Lions Club of Mechanicsville, Virginia that approached me and said, would, would you be willing to do this? Would you, we, we think this is important. They funded the underwriting costs associated with having a book republished and translated. And so how do you thank how do you acknowledge the the reason this exists in the first place, which is because an organization raised their hand and said, we, we want to be the sponsor of this project. And so one of the things that my family and my publisher, we were really thinking through is how do you appropriately um, recognize the involvement of an organization that has decided to be the sponsor of this? So in our case, we dedicated the book to the Mechanicsville Lions Club. 
And so we, you know, as a family, the original was dedicated to my family and my children. And, and so we, as a family decided, no, this version really needs to be dedicated to them. And then the other thing that we wanted to, to recognize is that the Lions Clubs International, childhood vision and hearing is a big um, part of what they do is, is raise awareness and, and conduct hearing and vision screening. So on the front cover, we we added their logo with their permission of the uh, Lions Club International. And on the back, we have a statement from them, both in English and in Spanish. Um, uh, it's a message from your local Lions Club, and it's about the importance of ongoing hearing health monitoring. So that was a piece that we spent a lot of time on as a family, is figuring out what makes sense to... And there, you know, others may have done things differently, but for us, we were so deeply grateful for this investment in this project that we dedicated the book to the lions. I love that. But what I, what I'm also hearing too, is that sometimes you may not realize what else is possible without somebody else saying, have you thought about, and what this organization did not just creating the wherewithal the and and really creating the space but the sheer fact that they created an opportunity by planting the seed if you will to say have you thought about doing this in another language you know that in and of itself creates an opportunity so what was that like to decide okay there's different languages that we could translate with but we started with spanish and I like, I love that you did that. I think that that's really cool. I personally took Spanish in undergrad and I had two different, I had two different teachers. One was from uh, Puerto Rico. So I learned one dialect. And then my third semester was with a teacher who had a more Spain Spanish. Right. Accent. So right. I learned another dialect and another way. So um, I, I love that you I love what you were talking about when you were talking about bringing in the focus groups or the different families, the different beta readers. But would you talk about why you chose to start with translating in Spanish? So in the United States, um, children can lose their hearing at any age in any stage. And most people don't know that. But what most, most people really don't know is that it's children of Hispanic descent that are at an even increased risk of hearing loss during the early childhood. And so it made perfect sense to start with a population of children, a story that impacts families that don't necessarily know it. And so it wasn't really until the, the lions came to me and I started to do a little bit more research that the literature everywhere everywhere. It's crystal clear. Children of Hispanic descent, and there are a lot of theories behind that, are at increased risk of postnatal hearing loss, early childhood hearing loss. And so um, one, I think the growing demographic in the United States has been growing for years, but then this additional piece of hearing health awareness, we need to put that out there into the community that doesn't necessarily know that they're at risk of a permanent hearing loss in their young children. So how do you go about promoting a book that's in a different language? And, you know, just, yes, it's, it's the same. It is your book. It's still the same book, if you will, but it's different. So how did, how have you gone about promoting, marketing, sharing, spreading the word for this new version? 
Yes. That, um, that it's so funny. We moved so fast through that process that the concept of how do we market this was kind of, we, we got to that after. Um, I do not speak Spanish, right? And I am not a Spanish speaking family. I don't come from a Spanish speaking family. And so the way that we have chosen to market this book is as a tool for others, professionals in a wide variety, whether it's educators, audiologists, speech language pathologists, home start, uh, uh, head start, use it as a tool to have a conversation with families about pediatric hearing loss. So it's been marketed as a tool for professionals to use, lots of different professionals to use to bring up a subject. One of the things I worked on just prior to this in my um, in my day-to-day job was I worked on um, some materials, some resources, some visual resources about educating um, Spanish-speaking families about newborn hearing screening, what to do if a child fails the newborn hearing screening, what to do. So I was already familiar with the idea that visuals and pictures are very much a part of storytelling. And so this is really just a different version of that. So it's it's um, it's giving professionals a way of having a conversation, relaying information in what I hope is the least scary way possible. Because at the end of Patapillo, everyone's thriving. The older sister's thriving, the younger sister's thriving. You know, everyone's doing well at the end of the day. You know, something that was just coming up for me as I was listening to you is what kind of feedback did you get from the families who have already read? Now, how I, I know I'm going to Patapilo. Is that how it's said? Patapilo is how in Spanish, yeah. Patapilo. Mm-hmm. Okay, I wanted to make sure I said that correctly, but yeah, Patapillo. Patapillo. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of feedback have you received? So there, it's been, it's been warm and joyful. And um, I, I clearly remember one mom who said after she read, so she'd read the English version multiple times. Her son is deaf and, and they shared the story in English and she had translated it before it was available in Spanish. But she said to read it in her native language it was a diff, it was it was a totally different experience it was a totally different experience for her it was a much more emotionally charged experience for her um because she is a mom of a child who was identified a little bit later and so all of those feelings that were described in spanish and that experience again narrated in spanish her experience with the story was very different even though she was intimately familiar with the english version and um the other thing that has come to mind that shame on me, right? When I'm thinking about the illustrations and do we need to change them? Do the characters need to look the same? Do they need to look different? And every Spanish speaking person I talked to, every bilingual um, Hispanic Latino person that I talked was like, no, no, this, this could be any family. And so in my mind, right? I'm thinking that the characters need to look different for this particular story and these particular illustrations, they didn't think they needed to be changed at all. And so I think that's one piece for authors who are considering republishing a children's book and an illustrated children's book is don't assume, 
Don't assume that the, the illustrations can stay the same. Don't assume that they should be different, but to really inquire and ask and reach out to people that you know to, to determine, do the illustrations, are, are they um, applicable? And in our case, they were. I think that's wise. I think that's very wise. And to your point, it wasn't just the illustrations. It was all of the nuances of the title. It was the, 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 the anatomy picture that's in the book that really the anatomy is, picture that's in the book that, I mean, that is, yes, it's an illustration, but that's not an illustration that you typically think of when you, when you think of a children's book, that, that is a specific piece to help with education and to help not just the child, but the family to feel like, okay, I understand this. The child is understanding what's going on for themselves and their own body, but it might help to just kind of eliminate some concerns or some fears, like what's happening in there? What's going on? Now I can, I can see something that, and it doesn't feel as scary. Yeah. Yeah. I that was, that. you know, the, the illustration of the, uh, the poster uh, with the anatomy of the ear that was also in Spanish. That was one. The other one was, in the, you know, the very end of the story where she's returning to her classroom and, she, you know, with her sister and showing her hearing aids off for the first time. <laughs> Um, there's the, you know, the chalkboard in the background that says, you know, good morning, Miss Lily's class, that also was changed. And so again, trying to think about what parts of these illustrations do we need to adjust so that it feels like it was always written in Spanish. But I love that that was your intent. It needs to feel like it was always written in Spanish, in which case you also went another piece for a writer who might be looking to do this is what you talked about with that focus group element, getting the guidance, not just from a, a subject matter expert, someone who's able to help you with the translation, but you were able to get a little bit more specialized because you knew you were looking for the educator or a, this was an educating piece. And you had real, you had families, you had people who would actually be reading this book like a beta reader. Exactly. But, but yet they were very specific and you were looking for different things. And the fact that you had those conversations separately versus together, I think that that was a great idea. One, you had an unfiltered response. Two, you could go back and listen to the different pieces as you needed to. If you wanted to have joint conversations, that's great on another point too. But you know, even when you're working with a beta reader, you might have five, six beta readers, but yet they're not comparing notes with each other. They're taking their feedback, their notes and sending it to you as the writer. It's your job to synthesize and to discern. Exactly. I'm working with, is this something I need to move out? Or do I need to look at what the majority are telling me about this scene and then do something with it? So even when you even when you're working on any piece and you get feedback, you're not always getting notes. They're not talking to each other. They're talking to you. It's your job to discern. And that's what you were doing. You just were doing it a little differently with the Zoom conversation, I think is beautiful because you could pick up on other pieces. Right. The one thing that um, I, I also received, you know, why did you pay for a translator? Like you have so many friends, you have so many friends that speak Spanish. You could have you know, hired one of them, or I'm sure they would have done it for free. And that was a consideration. But ultimately, you know, for this to be the highest quality product for the reader is I had to know with 100% certainty that this was professionally done, professionally done. 
from the perspective of educational translation. And so, um, so that is an investment. It was not nearly as expensive as I thought it would be, by the way. Um, I, I sent it out to three or four different companies to get quotes and, um, uh, some of them were a little crazy, but ultimately did not spend nearly as much as I thought that we would on translation. So again, why not, why not make that investment in the story? Well, I, I think that that's another form of editing in a sense, because you're, I mean, you are taking your story, you're making it, you want that story to be as strong as you possibly can. So that's why you work with an editor, even if you have, when you're looking at it in the context of saying, I don't really feel I need line anymore, or I don't need a developmental edit, I really need copy and I need the proof. You still want that to be of the highest caliber. Of the highest caliber, so exactly. That's the same principle that what I'm hearing. So I, I love that you did that. And yes, you can get feedback from others and that's great. And that might help is another form of beta reading because they trans they can understand that that those friends who could do that they also might make really good beta readers to say hey what are your thoughts here You're, did they pick up on something too that could be helpful just exactly from that standpoint so even if you're not working you know hiring that person that friend or you know engaging that person in one way that doesn't mean you can't do it another way if that's right. what you so choose so that's yep. that's kind of what i'm hearing is that you had this vision you aligned to it and you but what i love is that the vision happened because a seed was planted and then the rest of it was like and how do i do this and, and how do i do way. this i knew i knew it was possible i just didn't know how and and you know when you're working with a publisher um, that can help you figure this out. Like you're figuring it out together. You're not by yourself. Um, you know, it has its own ISBN number. It has its own, like it's really republishing. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of details, <laughs> so many details. Um, so having, it was less expensive. It was a lot less expensive to do the republication than the original because so much of the work had been done on the front end. Yeah. Um, so I encourage, I encourage anyone, especially authors of books, that um, feature children with disabilities um, or unique abilities, I really encourage uh, considering translating them into Spanish because there are so few books out there um, in the United States specifically that are both in English and Spanish. And it's important when it comes to language and literacy, especially early language and literacy, that um, the child is, is thriving in the language of the home. Yeah. They're thriving in the language of the home um, because if they thrive in the language of the home, which could be Arabic, it could be Spanish, it could be whatever it is, that they will then thrive in the language of the world that they're living in, which at school is English, but really reading aloud to children, reading with children, talking about stories, the way to language and literacy really young birth to three is to focus on stimulating the language of the home. And so to be able to do this with Spanish speaking families is um, there are no words to describe it. I'm so grateful. I am thrilled for you. And I am thrilled that this has happened because I mean, I just, I love, I love that really this is an extension. This is just an extension of your vision but it's coming from love. It's coming from love and wanting 
someone else to feel like I see you and I get you, I understand you. And I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you have these gifts that you want to share. And that's, that's what I see in this, in this story is that, you know, your the children are recognizing this in, in their own way as they grow through the story, but they recognize we might be a little different, but we are siblings anyway, just because we're siblings, that's we're right. going to be a little different anyway. And yes. we both have these wonderful gifts that we share and we share them in our own way too. And you made this more accessible. And I just, I love that. Stories love of late identification when it comes to pediatric hearing loss are, there are thousands, thousands of children every year in the United States that are late identified. Thousands, right? And this is a story about late identification. And so isn't it amazing that now we can start asking families after reading this, tell me your story. Tell me your story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Valerie, thank you for being back on the show. Thank you for sharing this new journey. I just think this is absolutely amazing. And thank you for taking advantage of the seed that was planted. Thank you for following your heart and seeing where this could go. It's it's a beautiful gift. Thank you so much. Where can people connect with you? Where can you get Patapillo or Patapillo? Yes, so Patapillo or Patapillo, depending on which version you're looking for. Um, It's on Amazon. Both of them are on Amazon. Um, I've found that the easiest way to find the Spanish edition is to write Patapillo Spanish edition. Because most of the time, if you just write pat a pillow, it will bring you to the English edition. ValerieJamesAbbott at gmail.com is my personal email address. And I respond to everybody, anyone who is even considering having their children's book translated into Spanish or another language, they are always welcome to reach out to me. And I'm happy to share the lessons that I learned in the process that I went through. Because it does take, if you've never done it, it's daunting and overwhelming. And I'm glad I had a cheerleader and I would love to be the cheerleader for other authors because we need to see more, more books like this. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.